our witness. I want to speak to you this morning about the children's bread. So turn with me to Mark chapter 7 as we find our way there. Let's pray. Father, would you help us understand your purpose for this passage and for this morning so that we would grow in a greater witness for you. Find ourselves in verse 24 of Mark chapter 7, the Syrophoenician woman. It says this, And from there he, Jesus, arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But immediately a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an unclean spirit heard of him and came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. And he said to her, let the children be fed first, for it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement you may go your way, the demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed and the demon gone. It's an amazing story. It's an interesting story. A lot of people get upset about this, thinking that Jesus would dare call someone a dog. Uh, but you need to understand the cultural setting and this, and this uh, saying that Jesus is using. First of all, it's pretty interesting that this Syrophoenician woman, what that means is that she was a Canaanite woman. And you know the history between Israel and Canaanites. So they, were born, they were enemies. The Jews despised Canaanites. But we also find something interesting about her is that she had a respect for Jesus. She knew who he was. It, it says in Matthew 15, 22, he adds to the story of this woman and it says, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. So she calls him Kyrios, O Lord, giving him respect, and she then calls him the son of David. Now for a Canaanite woman to understand what it means to be the son of David shows that she had some level of knowledge of Judaism. And so she was approaching him, maybe as a Canaanite, maybe outside the covenant of God's Israel, uh, nation of Israel, but she was still approaching him for mercy, calling him Lord, and saying, help me. And so she goes on to say, now this is the interesting thing, my daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But listen to this, he did not answer her word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away, she is crying out after us. In other words, she was annoying. You ever been annoyed by someone? It's interesting in what Jesus is doing. We know Jesus is the beginning and the end. He knows the first from the last. Jesus knows what's in a person's heart. He knows the situation. He knows what's going to come about. And so what Jesus does is he doesn't answer her request. Anybody been there, done that? Right? How many times have you asked Jesus and it seems like he's not answering? Seems like he's not communicating back, but he's remaining silent. And there are times, and you're going to see in this story, when Jesus will remain silent so that he can draw out of you what needs to come forth. Something had to come out of this woman 
before the demon could come out of her daughter. There are times before you're going to defeat the enemy, something has to come out of you first. And he had to pull forth the faith. Now, she was tenacious. This lady was one of those ones that was constantly on the heels of the disciples. I was thinking about this, and, and, and when you think about Jesus and the disciples, it says he tried to make his way into this house so that no one would recognize him, but he can't be hidden. Everybody knew who he was. Why do we hide him so easily? And so he enters in, and this woman found out, and when the woman found out, she was relentless. She would ask and beg, and the disciples were so annoyed. They said, would you tell her to leave us alone? And everybody would be fine with that because we're Jewish and she's not. And culturally, that's fine. Jesus, get rid of her. And he seems to be ignoring her. So he puts a bold statement in front of her. But you know what? It, what gets me is the people who are saved are the ones who are hungry. They're desperate. That's who comes to Jesus. Do you know desperate people come to Jesus? That's why we're here today. People say uh, religion is a crutch. You know what? Forget the crutch. I'm dead. I need a Savior to raise me up. I am lost and depraved. I don't need a crutch. I need a Savior who will call me out of a grave and bring me alive. The crutch is the, the self-deception that you're fine. Desperate people go to Jesus and they don't stop. How desperate are you? For an answer for God. How desperate are you for somebody else? It's time for the church to get desperate again. Our biggest enemy is our comfort. The biggest enemy of the church in America is that everything is satisfied. We're self-sufficient. We're no longer desperate for God. But when those rights are taken away, and when you find yourself without anything, you become desperate for God again. This woman was desperate and it annoyed the other people. They said, get him out, get her out of here. And Jesus says, woman, he said, why should I talk to you? Let me feed the children first. What did he mean by that? Let me uh, feed the children first. Let me give the children's bread to the children. Well, what he meant was what he was doing there as the Messiah was to seek and save the lost house of Israel. To fulfill all the promises of the Old Covenant. Now, does this mean, and some interpret it this way, and it's totally wrong. Some interpret it as this, that Jesus came as the Savior to Israel. But Israel rejected him, so he went, ah, what the heck, I'll go to the Gentiles. And they have this sense that we're an afterthought. Didn't work out with Israel, so uh, call an audible. Let's, uh, you know, let's change it. Father, how about the lost, uh, the Gentiles? Sure, go for them. No one else is listening. No, 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 no. There was a plan here. There was a, a perfect plan of God. And as Paul says, we're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. There is an order in all of this. And it's essential that he came first to the Jews to fulfill his word and promises to the people he made covenant with so that it would unlock all those promises to the rest of the world. And so there was an order to things. And so Jesus challenges this woman. And he says, I must first bring the children's bread to the Jews. 
And so why would I give that bread to the dogs? Now, it is not necessarily that he's outright just saying, you're a dog, woman. But he's using a colloquialism. He's using an analogy. And he's saying that it's important that the father brings the bread to the table for his children. And he doesn't feed his pets. He doesn't feed the dogs first. He takes care of his children, those he's in relationship with. And that's basically all that he was trying to point out. But this woman was so quick and again so desperate. She said, oh, but Lord, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the table. And Matthew says that Jesus said, wow, what faith. Woman, you can go home. This deal is done. That demon's gone now. That's tremendous. So I want to take a few minutes to understand a few things. First of all, what is the children's bread? Now, now break it down. When you say the children's bread, obviously if there's children, there's a father. And bread is what? The sustaining us in life. Uh, you have to eat bread to live, right? Food, in other words. The children's bread is the Father's provision to sustain your life. So the children's bread has been given to us by God. It's to sustain us. It's to keep us. It's all His provisions. All the provisions of God have been provided for us. The children's bread. She said, let me just have a few of those crumbs. I want to tell you, when God gives bread, even the crumbs are good. Consider that. Just with the crumbs, it can cast out demons. What, a, what can a whole loaf do? Hey, let me ask you a question. What can Jesus do with a loaf of bread? Huh? He can feed 5,000, right? Jesus can do a lot with a loaf of bread. Give me a crumb. Give me a crumb, oh God. How many of you remember Matthew 7? It says this. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks him for a fish, he'll give him a serpent. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Why do we think God doesn't listen? Why do we think God rejects us? Come on, put it in human terms. Do you reject your own children? Huh? When they're hungry and asking you for something, you give, I see it. Even these kids act like this woman, right? Especially at the checkout line. And why do you think they put all the candy at the checkout line? <laughs> Can I have it? No. Can I have this? No. Can I get that? No. Right? Like the, please, would you get it? Can I have this? No. Every kid cries on the way out of a store. Come on, Mom. I want, a, I want a candy. No, I want, ooh, I want this. All at height level for a kid. Adults won't bend over that low to get a candy bar. Those little kids will. They all want something to eat, right? You being evil, you give your kids something. Here, take this. Shut up. How much more? Say it with me. How much more? One more time. How much more? It's a compare and contrast. We think we're so beggarly that God's given us no provisions. Come on. We're living pretty good. We're eating pretty good. How much more does God provide for us? 
He's in heaven, and he gives good things to those who ask him. Now, Luke uh, writes the same statement, but he doesn't say he gives good things. He says, how much more will the Father give his spirit unto us? Daily bread is the, is the power and purpose of the Holy Spirit, that precious bread. How many of you remember how Jesus taught us to pray? Dear Dad, right? Our Father put us in that light of provider and those in need. Dear Father, our Father, you are holy in heaven and, and uh, you're worthy to be praised. Bring your authority here. Your kingdom, bring it here. And, and let your will, your, your decisions, your purposes be done here as it is in heaven. And then, Lord God, would you give me today my daily what? Bread. bread. The children's bread. My daily provision. My daily bread. You know, God has mercies for you fresh each morning. That's a fresh loaf of bread coming right out of the oven every morning. New mercies, I see, right? Every day. Jeremiah talks about the promises of God. This is our daily portion, our daily bread. God has daily provision. Now, what are we talking about? What is this provision? Well, the illustration in the book of Mark is casting out demons. The illustration right after that is going to heal a man who's deaf. So the provisions aren't just nice thoughts, happy thoughts, or a verse that I read and stands out in me. That's nice. Those are good provisions. Something I learned. No, they're even more tangible than that. We've got to go back to believing like the Jewish believers that when God said he was going to provide, it wasn't just a nice thought or a tickle. It was something he provided. Someone got delivered. Someone got healed. That is supernatural. A daily provision of the supernatural. That's what the church has lost. We've lost the daily provision of a supernatural God. We'll take less than crumbs. But the illustration Mark gives us, and remember, this book of Mark is the gospel by which they tutored all new believers. In the early church, when anybody became a new believer, they had to memorize the book of Mark. And so this is what tutored and discipled all of those who followed Jesus. And every example and illustration was to teach them what to expect from Jesus. But like bread, wonder bread, we've taken all of the ingredients and nutrients out of it and starched it to be nothing. We've made the gospel wonder bread, white bread, that just turns to sugar. How many of you remember this about the daily provision in 2 Corinthians 1.20? It says, for no matter how many promises God has made, those are provisions. So read it this way. No matter how many provisions God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. So our daily provisions, the provisions, the daily bread... The children's bread. Anyone in covenant with God, you've become his son and his daughter. And so there are provisions. It's your children's bread. You have provision to ask whatever you may of God. For matter how many promises he's made, they are what? Yes. Come on. If dad said we're going to the show on Saturday, 
and it's Saturday morning and he's not up yet, what can you go into that bedroom and ask? What time are we going to the show? I'm not feeling like it today, honey. But you, (laughs) you promised. That's how we've got to start talking to God. Not as spoiled children, but as children who have a provision. You promised. You promised. And you know what it is when we say, but you promised? It's the word, amen. So be it. All his provisions, all his promises are yes in Christ Jesus. So that through Christ we say, so be it. We call it out. Thy will be done on earth. It's a provision. It's my daily bread. It's the children's bread to call forth the provisions of God. That's what he's talking about here. Listen, did the Jews understand this? The daily provisions? You bet they did. How many of you remember in Deuteronomy, God said this, Yet the Lord says, During the 40 years that I led you through the wilderness, your clothes didn't wear out, nor did the sandals on your feet. You ate no bread or drank no wine or other fermented drink. I did this so you might know that I am the Lord your God. What he said is this, I gave you your daily needs. Come on, think about it. They didn't change their underwear for 40 years. I'm hoping they washed them. But they didn't change. It was all they had. They left Egypt. They didn't bring suitcases. So for 40 years, the same clothes, but it didn't wear out. The same sandals? Huh? Right? Men are thinking, I can use this at home. Another pair of shoes? Why, the Israelites had one pair for 40 years. (laughs) My wife and I were this morning just talking about fashion. It's like, you know, it changes too quick. We buy a pair of clothes that last 15 years. You know, they go out of style every five. But by the the time we keep wearing them, it'll come back. (laughs) It'll come back. And when you have enough kids, you realize your clothes are limited. Because you're giving all your money to whom? The kids. Mothers understand this woman. She's desperate. My kid, my kid is in need. She'll go. But this is amazing that, that the daily provision, Israel understands daily bread. Because every morning they didn't have bread, but they had manna. He said, I didn't give you bread, I gave you manna. Manna sustained them every day for 40 years. He said, you didn't have wine, you didn't have drink, but I gave you water, the pure water that came forth from the rock. I sustained you with what you needed. He goes on, he says, the Lord will keep you free from every disease. He'll not inflict on you the horrible diseases you knew in Egypt, but he'll inflict them on all who hate you. Now that's the Lord's provision. He kept their bodies clothed. He he kept their stomachs full. And and he kept them uh, never thirsting. And he kept them healthy. These are the same things that Jesus was speaking about. Why do you fret on what to wear? Why do you fret about tomorrow? Has he not clothed the fields, the lily of the fields, in greater array than that of Solomon's garments? This is the children's bread. This is our bread. These are the Lord's provisions for us. So, and ultimately, what it means is that there is deliverance for us. There is healing for us. And ultimately, there is salvation for us. That's what Matthew understood when he was looking at Jesus, watching what he was doing. 
He said, when the evening came, they brought unto him many who were possessed with devils. He cast out the spirits with his word, and he healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities, and he bore our sicknesses. Do you understand what Matthew was quoting here? Matthew's quoting Isaiah 53. He is declaring that what he is seeing and observing is the fulfillment of the suffering servant of Isaiah. It's not a one-time event. It's a covenant. He brought it through covenant by blood, by the cross. This is our daily bread. This is our daily bread. Now this woman had the spiritual insight to see this in Christ. And so she came. Look at, let me reaffirm it. First Peter says this, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree or the cross, that we being dead to sins should live to righteousness by whose stripes you, what? Were healed, past tense. He takes the verse from Isaiah, which is future tense, and he now declares it past tense. The cross completed this. What, I, what Matthew said Isaiah declared, Jesus would bring us free from sickness and disease and heal us and cast out demons and affliction. That's our bread. That's the children's bread. That's what we can count on every day for provision. Jesus said, I came to bring the children's bread. And this is by which you were healed. Wow. So let me ask you, where do you get your bread from? What is your bread? What's your daily bread? Many of us are on the wrong diet. There's a diet of bread provided every day in the Lord. We run to our own man-made remedies for everything. And, and we run to our decisions and we run to, to uh, you know what? Those who are hungry and dependent on God, before they make a decision, they go to God. You need financial advice? Hire a financial planner. No, you know what? Go to God first. How about that? Right? You need to know what to do uh, for your children? Go to a counselor. How about we go to God first? Now, we have counselors and advisors and educated people because there's wisdom in the counsel of many. I appreciate that. But yet there's a portion of bread waiting for you at the table this morning. And I wonder how many have passed up loaves of God's provisions for looking for some other solution. Hey, there's even crumbs on the floor that could be satisfying to us. I guess all I'm trying to say is Let's get back to the diet of God first. Seek ye first the kingdom. And when he says, come to the kingdom, seek first the kingdom, there's a fresh loaf of bread. There's food there for us. There's provision there for us. We must ask of him. We must seek him. So where do you get your bread from? Where do you get your provisions from? Let me ask you this. Who's stealing your bread? somebody else taking your bread or somebody else getting you distracted from the bread that was provided for you I'll never forget uh, Pastor Charlie and I were in uh, Russia in 1990 Thanks, 
and uh, uh, we didn't particularly like the food. So uh, Charlie brought a jar of peanut butter, and we, like within the first two days, ate all the bread we had. So uh, the next day we decided we're going to go get some bread, Russian bread, <laughs> so we can keep eating instead of, you know, eating the stuff that was being given to us. So uh, we stood in line, and this is back in the early 90s. Uh, the wall was still up. A lot of poverty in, uh, in Russia, in Leningrad. It was still Leningrad before it became St. Petersburg again. And so we're standing in line. There's this long line, and it was just for bread. They had a store for dairy. They had a store for bread. They, they didn't have a supermarket. So we're standing in line, and... and as we're standing there, we're beginning to notice all these poor people here. And we had American money. We had enough money to buy the store. And, and we're standing in line, and we literally were talking about it. And both of us, we got to the front finally to pick out our bread, and we looked at each other, and Charlie said, I don't feel right about this. I said, I don't, I don't either. I don't feel right about this either, Charlie. So we left. We felt we'd be stealing the bread of people who so desperately needed it. But with God, you're not stealing anything. His provision is here for everyone. God's got enough for everyone. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. Now, now we apply that literally that Christians should never have to be poor and hungry. Well, Christians have starved to death all around the world. But I want to tell you something. They've never lacked the bread of God's fellowship and God's spirit. You can face anything with the daily provision of God's bread. His deliverance from the evil one. His sustaining power through hunger and whatever you need to face. Basically, the theme of this message and the theme of this woman is this. Desperation, denigration, determination, and deliverance. She was desperate. She was desperate. She knew that the Lord was in her vicinity. What is it? V or F? Thank you. Vicinity. I got lost for a minute. I'll choose a, a better word. She knew Jesus was near. She went to him. She was desperate. You know what? We say, we get upset with God. I prayed and it didn't happen. A lot of desperation there. A lot of hunger there. A lot of tenacity or importunity. He said, you ask and you ask and you ask and you knock and you knock and you knock. This lady kept asking. Others would fall away. Others would walk away, but not her. Reminds me of Jacob wrestling with God. Bless me! Bless me! He said, what's your name? Jacob lied once before when he was asked his name at the blessing. He lied to his father. His father said, is that you, Jacob? No, I'm Esau. But he wanted that blessing just like he did to connive for it. This time, he had the angel of God. We know it was Jesus. He held on to the word of God, said, bless me, bless me. And he asked him one thing, what's your name? Oh, Jacob. Then the angel tapped out, not tapped him out for him. <laughs> tapped his hip, dislocated it. 
He could have, could have crushed the man, but he wanted to see if he'd be honest. How desperate are you? How honest are you with God? Sometimes in the wrestling we find the answer and we find what we really need. This woman's faith was tried. You don't know how much faith you have till you're in a fight. And she was fighting to get an answer. Is it because God's going la, 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 la? No, he's drawing out. He's drawing out. He's shaping you in it. You did it with your kids. Come on, you can do it. Come on, just a little further. You remember when they first started walking? Come on, come on, come on. What are you backing up for? Because you're pushing them. She was desperate. Then he said, we don't give this bread to dogs. But she was humble. She was humble. I understand. You're the Lord. I understand Israel's God. I understand I'm not one of them. But could I have a crumb? She understood her position. Do we understand our position? We're children of God, but yet at the same time, we're nothing without him. He's all we have. You're all I have. You're my only hope. Determination. And last of all, she found deliverance. Our prayer lives have got to change. Our prayer lives have got to move into the sense that I need my daily provision and I am going to seek your face and humble myself before you, O God. But I'm determined for an answer. I'm going to fast. I'm going to pray. I'm going to deny myself. But I must, I must, I must get an answer. And you promised promised God I need it and that's what changes the atmosphere of the heavens and that's what changes the will of man on earth when the children of God bring forth the provision of God for each situation amen, amen. let's bow our heads